welcome to the Whole Story Podcast. This podcast series is focused on inspiring sustainability in agriculture using the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, also known as the SDGs. Each week, our guests are invited to share their story, highlight a particular one of the 17 goals, and leave us with some practical tips for sustainability on farms. I'm Bex Smith, founder of The Whole Story, a B Corp certified social enterprise inspiring, facilitating, and articulating holistic sustainability in agriculture. And this podcast has been brought to life in partnership with the incredible team at FMG, who are passionate about partnering with organisations like The Whole Story, so together we can support rural New Zealand. So whatever you're doing while listening to this episode, thanks for choosing us. The best way you can support our mahi is to follow and share the show on whatever app you're listening on, and I hope this episode leaves you inspired and excited about the bigger picture of sustainability in agriculture. Today on the Whole Story podcast, I have the pleasure of catching up with Tony Wilson, General Manager of AgRecovery. Tony is a lifelong learner, currently doing his seventh qualification, a master's at Massey University on the Sustainable Development Goals. But he manages to balance out the heavy lifting his grey matter is doing, as he's also a very keen mountain biker and surfer. This week's episode is based around the UN Sustainable Development Goal 12, Responsible Consumption and Production, and Tony highlights the work that AgRecovery is doing as a not-for-profit charitable trust, providing practical and seamless solutions for New Zealand farmers. I feel like Tony and I could have talked for days on our thoughts around sustainability, the complexities of it, and the importance of the Sustainable Development Goals, but we wanted to drive home practical messages. We talk about how and what farmers can recycle with AgRecovery. We talk about what solutions are coming next, and importantly, the shift in mindset required to view farm waste as a resource that, if cared for, can be repurposed. Welcome along, everybody. Today on the Whole Story podcast, we have Tony Wilson with us from AgRecovery. He's the general manager there at AgRecovery, and he is going to be speaking today on agricultural plastic waste management and taking that lens on the sustainability story in agriculture. So welcome, Tony. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you, and we know it's been a pretty big week after coming back from field days. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Oh, no, look, I appreciate it. Field days is one of our key engagement areas with our customers, so it was really good to be there, but having an opportunity to talk about the Sustainable Development Goals and what we're doing, I think, is really great, so I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Cool. So let's kick off into it then. Can you tell us the story of Tony Wilson? Yeah, sure. I'm happily married to a lovely Susan. Been married just over 10 years now. We've got one daughter. She's at university studying nursing in her final year, which is pretty cool. Now she's moved out of the house into Palmerston North. We're just left with a little miniature schnauzer to keep us company. Pretty much into my mountain biking and my surfing. I've been doing that since my early teens. So I like to get out amongst the waves and have a bit of a swim. Apart from that, other hobbies are really just keep studying at university. So I think I'm on my seventh qualification now and maybe my last. But we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording. Lifelong learner, definitely a love of learning there. It's certainly good for the old grey matter. It is. What I'm really enjoying is whatever I learn, I take it back into the office and implement it there. You learn more when you're doing it and understand how it connects, which I find really exciting. You touch on there your qualifications that you're doing, and I know that at the moment you're doing one in sustainable development goals. 
So sustainability, it's a really big word and it's a really core value to me and important in all the work that I'm doing. But what does sustainability mean to you, Tony? Yeah, look, it is a big word. It encompasses so much. But for me, it's about not taking away from the future. We have a nice lifestyle that we all live now and it's about using investment and innovation to really keep that level of life that we've become accustomed to but not stealing from the future to make sure that as a planet that's really worth uh, worth being in. Yeah, I really like that vision of not taking away from our future selves and our future generations. It's a really lovely way of painting it. And certainly with your background and your education in this space, I think it's a really valuable perspective to take. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Wellington, so there's a lot of activists down this way and there's lots of spray paint writing on the walls. Don't steal from the future and all that. So you see it everywhere that you're around nowadays, so... I think it's a valid point too, because I mean, you can't live in today's comfort knowing that you're actually cutting yourself short for tomorrow. Absolutely. So now you're working in an organisation that has a big role to play in agriculture. And so what was your first link to agriculture, Tony? Probably back in 1993, attending Massey University, which we all know is a strong agricultural university. So I've made quite a lot of friends in that area and just kept engaged with them over over the years. One of my best mates, he's a dairy farmer up in central Hawke's Bay. But also the other side to it, being, being from Hawke's Bay, is the horticultural area as well. So the, the fruit bowl of New Zealand and everywhere you go is fresh apples and fresh food. Getting to eat all that good product, whether it's a, a nice steak on the barbie or a nice crisp apple from the early ages. Yeah, I went to Massey University myself to do my veterinary training, so I know that it's definitely a great agricultural institution and certainly a really fun place to go to university, that's for sure. Oh, it's the best university in in New Zealand, may I say. (laughs) (laughs) Biased slightly, yeah. So we do like to put people in the hot seat. And I was wondering, Tony, could you share with us your funniest story relating to farming or agriculture? Yeah, a bit embarrassing. My mum's a bit of a a horsey lady. She loves horses. And when I was a little kid, probably about four years old, she was teaching me to ride a horse on some farmland. And uh, the horse decided to stop in the middle of a river to have a big drink of water and not move anywhere. So here's a little boy, four years old, on a horse, unable to get it to move in the middle of of this river. Mum had to come and save me. Oh, I like that. Horses can be so stubborn when they choose and it's uh, yeah, hard to get them going and it would have been certainly hard for you to get down and get out of there. That's right, yeah. It hasn't put me off horses. I don't, I don't ride the horses, but it was pretty embarrassing for me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. We've got a nine-hand pony, so he's pretty short and he's a reasonably good lawnmower, but it's good to get kids around horses young, I think. It's quite a bit of fun. Absolutely, yeah. Back, back to the earth, back to walking around with the horses and seeing a bit of sightseeing is lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think there's something quite therapeutic. It's no surprise that they're used for therapy because actually they're quite a calming animal. Yeah, my mum's a painter, so she likes painting horses. So all over the walls on her house are pictures of horses she's painted. Oh, how clever. That's very cool. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more then about your journey from there to ag recovery. Yeah, sure. I've had a mixture of private and public sector experience with my recent, most recent stint being Ministry for Primary Industries. I was there for 12 years and a mixture of biosecurity and food safety, which I found really interesting because this is not just a regulatory approach where we sat in an office. The role that I had was out and about meeting with the customers, the farmers, the growers, the industry, a supply chain understanding 
how the product moved through the supply chain to get to the end goal or the end customer. And what was really good, it was a customer-focused service. So we worked with them to make the biosecurity system stronger and the food safety one stronger as well. So that really opened my eyes to to what was out there. I got quite passionate about working more in the private sector. So I took a big step out of out of public sector. This role came up in agri-recovery and the time was right to, to step in here. We're not-for-profit charitable trusts. We don't have a lot of money. We do things on the cheap, which creates challenges. But the reward we get when we see things succeed I think has been absolutely fantastic. On that, I wonder if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about AgRecovery and the work that you do. AgRecovery has been around for 15 years. We just had a bit of a celebration this year, back in June, to recognise our founding brands that had established AgRecovery. So we're what's called a product stewardship scheme, and I refer to that as recycling on steroids. It comes with 26 rules or guidelines on what we need to do, and an example would be if there's plastic down the west coast of the South Island, a product stewardship scheme is required to find a solution. We can't just operate in the small areas with a lot of volume. We have to provide customer-focused solutions right across New Zealand. Um, we currently have that up and running for the HDPE, which is your agrochemical containers, but we've moved into small bags, which is your seed, feed and fert bags, 25 kgs and smaller. It's fair to say it's a time of change for ag recovery. The ministry have created a regulated product stewardship scheme where there's much more rules and regulations around how we operate. And that's to give confidence to our government, to our our brands and our overseas trading partners that we are sustainable. So I'm really chuffed that they've created this platform for us to operate on. But again, that sets challenges now because ag recovery, as I said, is two schemes at the moment, but pretty shortly it's going to be 15 different plastics to be recycled. So it's about establishing that and moving it forward, which will be change that ag recovery has never seen before and the primary sector hasn't seen before, but we are all calling for it. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for ag recovery, but as you say, it's challenging as well because it's about taking that, I guess, the pilot program that's worked so well and you've proven, but it's really even putting recycling on steroids on steroids again because you're having to really ramp that up at a critical rate of knots. Absolutely. It's one of the things that people need to understand. It's not ag recovery doing that by itself. It's everyone has a role to play. So even if you're a brand owner, you'll pay a levy to us because it has to be free for the farmer and the grower. But you don't pay a levy and walk away. You still have a role to play. The farmer has a role to play. There's a number of service providers such as Plasback and Waste Management out there. They still have a role to play to make it work. You can't just walk away and leave it to one person to do so. It's about coordinating everyone to be working in the same direction. Yeah, it's definitely a real collaborative effort, this one. Yeah, we've been at field days last week and we went and saw the brands and the brands are all really engaged to sign up. We've had hundreds of farmers come and have a chat to us and they're really looking for solutions and they're willing to do their part as well, which is fantastic. But the number of comments I heard from farmers saying that they're storing their silage wrap or their small bags because they know that there's a scheme coming at some time in the future, I think speaks volumes to the sustainability for farmers out there. Yeah, well, I think as farmers, we're actually out there dealing with the large volume of plastic waste that we create that is part of our ability to run our businesses. And It's never been an easy burden to bear, actually, and not knowing necessarily what the right thing or the opportunities are to actually dispose of that. So I think we're all in that position of sitting there really excited about the opportunities that are coming down the pipeline and 
yeah, whatever we can do and whatever solutions are put in front of us, then we will leap on board and uptake the figure. You've got to give the farmers some credit. They are trying to do the right thing, but it's about getting that messaging out there of how they can do the right thing. And the key for us for Ag Recovery for success is a customer-focused service delivery. We need to make it so easy for the farmer that it's effortless to be able to do the work. Yeah, 100%. So the work I'm doing with the whole story and this podcast series, in fact, is based around the framework of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which I know that you're well familiar with. And this episode in particular is focused on goal number 12, ensuring sustainable consumption and production patterns. So I'd love for you to speak to that goal a bit further, Tony, and discuss the work that AgRecovery is doing and the progress towards targets within the goal. Yeah, look, we've discussed on doing the Masters of Sustainable Development Goals. Three of the targets there I think are quite relevant for the farmers and for what we're doing. 12.4, which is talking about sound management of chemicals and waste throughout the life cycle is going to be critical. The funny conversations I'm having out there from some of the brands is they're saying, oh, we'll use paper or we'll use hemp bags or flax bags. But that's still a linear approach. It doesn't add to the life cycle because it's just sending the product to the farm and the farmer still has problems there with what are they to do with it. So there is a role for plastic out there, but it's about making a solution for that plastic to be able to come back again. I also thought 12.5, which is substantially reduced waste generated through prevention, reduction, recycling and reuse. We know from the analysis we've done, there's about 10 tonne of waste from farms every year. So if we can work around the plastics and eventually other types of products to find a solution to return it off the farm so it's not going to landfill, buried or burnt, that's a real win. And 12.6, which is encouraging companies, especially large and transnational companies, to adopt sustainable practices and integrate sustainability into their system. So that's, for us, is being smart around innovation. And I'm not talking about clever packaging, I'm talking about environmentally sustainable packaging that can be reused and recycled. There's issues out there, people talk about going to biodegradable plastic, but that's actually a problem for us because it can't be recycled, so it's a contaminant for our plastic. And it's not biodegradable. It needs to be treated specially for it to properly biodegrade, and that's in a proper commercial processing plant for that to happen. So it's about making that knowledge available for farmers and growers and then brands and stuff to understand how they can contribute under those measures for a better outcome. There's some really key points you brought up there. It's really important for people to be able to find a good source of truth or information around that because, as you say, it's almost greenwashing to talk about biodegradable plastics because actually it's still a heavy use of resources that have still become a single use, very linear, um, and actually don't have a good outcome at the end. Whereas if you've got more circular systems, and as you say, if you make the process completely seamless for the farmer with the right plastics or the right sort of input material, and then you can get a circular system in place it's the most efficient use of resources. And I think that's what we really need to be thinking about. Absolutely. I mean, the conversation with some of the brands wanting to use paper, it still leaves a problem for the farmer. They need to do something with it. And that's either sending it to landfill, which they don't want to do, or bury it in their their property. Well, that's not a pure product to be buried into the ground. It's still going to add some contamination there. Everyone needs to think about how to get this plastic back again for recycling or if they go to paper or if they go to other products, that still needs to be returned for some type of recycling. 
Yeah, and I see egg recovery playing a really important role there with actually providing that knowledge for farmers' options that are actually seamless, that are the right solutions, not a workaround and not a another product to have to get rid of or find some end of life for. It's actually providing a solution that's practical and achievable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so looking at those 17 sustainable development goals, which one of those do you align with most personally, Tony, and why? Well, I probably found this to be the hardest question to answer. As I'm doing my master's on it, I've been diving into each of those, and they're all very heavily connected and dependent on each other for success. But for me, there's been a lot of discussion around the farmer and the growers out there having to do uh, more sustainable in their area. But SDG 11, which is focusing on sustainable cities and communities, I think is one that stands out for me. The cities have to play their part as well. There's a lot of carbon that comes out of this area, there's a lot of waste that comes out of this area, and the urban people need to pull their socks up as much as anyone else to make it uh, better for everyone. Yeah, I really appreciate that as someone living in a rural community. I see it all the time. I come from an urban background, so very heavily afoot in both camps. And I think if enough pressure was placed on our urban counterparts as a placed on our rural counterparts, then you know we'd start to see some real traction. But it's very it seems to be weighted unevenly at the moment. And I don't know whether that's just because in cities things are happening more at an infrastructural level and perhaps in rural communities it's happening at the farmer level but certainly that awareness from every individual playing their part equally in cities and in rural communities would be really beneficial I think. Yeah absolutely I mean there's plenty of access to infrastructure within the urban areas that they can do proper recycling and this is not all just on the individuals but the councils and regional bodies need to build consistent messaging around how to recycle bring that education up for everyone. It's not just right to pick on the farmers and the growers for any emissions, sustainability targets that they're achieving. It needs to be done right across the board. Yeah, I saw a really interesting infographic the other day, actually, where it was showing, as a child, cycling through the streets in the summer, you'd quite often be cycling along the footpath and there's all the sprinklers going and everyone would be watering the footpaths and watering the roadsides and there'd be a lot of water wasted on roads and going into stormwater drains and all down footpaths and things. And this infographic was saying if as much pressure was put on our urban counterparts to irrigate appropriately as is being put on farmers to irrigate appropriately, you know, think of the impact we could have. And I think that was just a clear example of that lack of even distribution of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fresh water is a very scarce resource and needs to be looked after. There's no more of it out there. So we need to be very smart on how we do things. Yeah, so I think that's a really nice one to be personally aligned to. And I know it is a tricky question. So it's a sorry, not sorry moment for asking it because, yeah, it is tricky to pick one because they are also A, important and B, interconnected. So I guess then, what do you see as the biggest challenge to New Zealand's agricultural sector regarding sustainability? And how would you flip the script on that and turn it into an opportunity? I'm going to focus on waste on farms. There, there could be other things out there that are bigger than that, but I'm probably not educated enough to talk about that. But the waste on farms is the key one for me. And there's, as I said, 10 tonne of waste per farm per year that gets generated. If we can start changing the language from using the word waste and talk about it as a resource, like plastic is a resource, we can do something with it. If you look after it, if you return it to us and it's clean, being kept out of the light, the sunlight, the UV light, we can actually turn it around and recycle it and turn it to that circular economy. 
Likewise with wood and all the other things out there, there are opportunities out there that we can reuse that or repurpose that and reduce that waste. But it's a mindset change that the packaging or the byproduct of what you've used is waste. It's not. It's a resource that needs to be treated as such. Yeah, I really like that change of thinking, of thinking about our waste streams as resource opportunities and what could someone else use this for. So what's on the card for the next 12 months for you? Ag recovery is going through a bit of change at the moment, so we're looking to further develop the schemes that we have. The HDPE is, or the chemical containers for me, is a mature scheme, so that will just tick along and naturally grow as more farmers are engaged. Um, But it's really the small bags um, that we're, we're focusing on. That's the new scheme that we've put in place, and we're looking to increase that quite heavily over the next 12 months. And then uh, in doing so, we'll be having more sites uh, created around New Zealand for easy drop-off for farmers and growers. And then obviously the change with the ministry for a regulated farm plastic scheme, which needs to be implemented within three years. Uh, We'll be working closely with the government and other providers out in the community to get that up and running. Uh, in the view of having a farm plastics product stewardship scheme up and running by no later than 2025. Whew, it's going to be a busy time then. Yes. I mean, we've done the farm plastics report, which highlights four big key plastics that can be done quite quickly. But then there's a whole lot of other stuff out there that is a, a, a lot of plastic still out there, but it tends to be more sector focused. So it could be viticultural or in the horticultural area. So whilst there'll be a whole lot of plastic to get, we can really target those particular areas to get more plastic. So it's building the smarts around that to make that work. Yeah, so just briefly, I think, I wonder if it would be useful for our listeners to hear. I mean, you talk about the Mature Scheme, which is the Agrochemical Containers Scheme. And if anyone listening hasn't been involved in this scheme already, I wonder if you could touch on the process briefly around that, Tony. Yeah, so the HDPE scheme's been around for 15 years. And we have over 100 brands that have signed up. So the focus is free for the farm and the grower because it's funded by the producer or the manufacturer that uh, that puts that plastic into the environment. From a customer's perspective, from the farmer, all they need to do is take the lid off it, triple rinse it, and then return it to over 160 sites in New Zealand. If they're not a member of AgriCovery, they can sign up and it takes a few minutes. And we'll record those volumes that they've dropped off into their site through an activity report. And then they can use that activity report to give to their farm environmental plan audit as proof that they are doing sustainable recycling. The next steps on that one, which we've just working on now, is to implement a whole lot more other types of plastic that can be recycled on the farms through our IT system and growing that. So we'll be marketing that quite heavily. We're also working with Plasback, who is another product stewardship scheme out in the environment, to see how we can piggyback of each other's skill sets and resources and infrastructure out there to see how we can do more sooner and more accurately for the farmers out there. Awesome. Thank you. I've got a bit of a curly question on this one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. With triple rinsing your agrochemical containers, obviously you're dealing with potentially some hazardous goods or at least some chemicals that you might not want getting into waterways or onto your pastures. What's the best solutions for farmers to go about triple rinsing? What facilities do they require to do that? We recommend the water that they're using to triple rinse that they tip that back into the spray packs and then spray that in an area where it's not going to get into the waterways. 
Well, that's a great practical solution because that's certainly something that I've seen as a challenge throughout my experience with triple rinsing on different farms. So great to have some solutions there in your recommendation. So thank you, Tony. No worries. And please do wear the right PPE gear when you're doing it. Yeah, that's an important one, guys. Let's look after our health and safety at the same time. Absolutely. Yeah. And talking about the small bag scheme then, can you shed some light on the process for that as well? Yeah, yeah. So the, the, we're really excited with this scheme. This is probably the most complex scheme that we can bring up because it has multiple different types of plastics. And it's important that the farmer sorts the plastic at source. So when they are sorting the plastic to be recycled, we need to only have one type of plastic. And the way that we operate the system is that we would send out a liner. So the farmer would give AgRecovery a call. We will send them out a liner, which is a big plastic bag and they put all their LDPE plastic bags into that liner. And once that liner is full, then they can return it to a number of sites we have around New Zealand, and then they're growing quite rapidly. And we will recognise with the farmer's contribution to returning that liner. The other types of plastics that we have for the small bags, is the other big one is the woven PP, which is generally your seed or grain bags. That scheme hasn't taken off yet we're still working with the brands to sign up because we need to get some funding from them to cover the costs so we're looking around about july to do the woven pp bags for that one and that will be in the same process where a liner will be sent out and the farmer just fills up those liners and then returns them to the same site as the ldpe but we do need them all the different types of plastics put into separate liner bags Great. That's really awesome to clarify. And I think just for the people who aren't in the know out there, those LDPE bags, they're the sort of solid plastic bag, aren't they? Yes. Yep. Yep. You get the likes of sometimes you get quite a lot of stock feed in bags like that, don't you? Absolutely. Some fertiliser bags, for example. Generally, product that you don't want to get wet would be in an LDPE. Although in saying that grain, you don't want grain to get wet either. But at, at the end of the day, they are the solid white bags where the woven PP is a crisscross nature. Yeah. And does it matter the brand that you've purchased those bags from? For the LDPE, no. As long as it's in the primary sector, we'll find a home for it. For the woven PP, that's why we need to have the majority signed up before we kick off that part of the scheme because there's a lot more of that out in the market and it would cost us it will cost us millions of dollars to recycle and process it so we need to have a good uptake of companies that have signed up for it because we know the farmer they're a busy person they're not going to sort out which bag is in which bag is out so we're trying to make it as easy as possible for them yeah so hopefully everyone gets on board with that because yeah certainly we want to make it easy for farmers that might end up being your point of difference as if you're in or out. Farmers want to make their lives a bit easier. Hopefully if you get as many people as possible signed up to that. We do encourage the farmer to go and only buy egg recovery branded products because the, these companies are paying 20 cents per bag to have them recycled. So we don't encourage the free riders to, to get a service of us without paying. We're only a small not-for-profit charitable trust. So we do encourage the farmers to um, look for that egg recovery logo so that they can have a sustainable way of returning that plastic packaging. Yeah, and I think it's such a cool thing that you're doing, actually giving a report as well back to farmers to be able to produce for audit and actually become part of their sustainability reporting or their sustainability story. They can actually then verify that and share that with whoever they may choose to share that with. But it's something to actually be able to celebrate what they've managed to achieve in that space. Uh, absolutely. And w- when we ran the trials for the LDPE bags on the small bag scheme, 
I actually couldn't get rid of our customers. They were so excited to have a solution and they were recovery members right back from the beginning 15 years ago. So trying to manage the flow of customers coming in to drop off their liners and move them along at the same time, but they're all just so happy they're wanting to have a bit of a chat about it. You know, there's a level of absolute keenness to be part of this and to be that sustainable measure. As the Chief Executive for Ag Recovery, I am it's not like I'm going to work. I'm actually going to a job I really enjoy when you see the, the smiles on the faces of the farmers to have a solution for them. It's wonderful. Oh, I tell you what, positive impact breeds positivity, that's for sure. Absolutely, yes. So with this podcast series, Tony, we like to leave people back down at the ground level. So what's one practical take-home action that farming businesses can take today to contribute to sustainability? Simple message, treat your plastic packaging as a resource. It has a value if you can return it to us in a clean, dry state. We can do something with it. If it's got mud on it or if it's been left out in the UV, we can't do anything with it. So treat it like it is a resource. Treat it with a little bit of care and we can do something with it. That's awesome. That's a really valuable message. So I hope everybody listening out there, if you're not involved with ag recovery yet, then you will be now because Tony's done a wonderful job of explaining to us what egg recovery is all about and showing that it is such common sense solutions that are practical for farmers and easily achievable and that we do have these really valuable resources on farm that they can do something with. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time today, Tony, and you've been really generous with your expertise. You've been really practical in your approach to explaining how the systems work, and I really do appreciate your time. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Bex. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Whole Story Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it and are feeling inspired and optimistic about putting sustainability into practice on farm. I have one last request for you before you go. Make sure whatever platform you're listening to us on that you hit follow and share the show or episodes with your friends so that together we can grow our community and inspire sustainability and agriculture in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And thanks again to FMG for partnering with The Whole Story so that we could bring this podcast to life for you all to enjoy. Catch you next time.